You are listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson, exploring biblical prophecy for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Shalom and welcome to Prophet Pearls face-to-face in the city of the prophets, recorded live from the safe house in Jerusalem with Keith Johnson and Nehemia Gordon. That's me. That's it. That's my intro. Okay. All right. Previously on Prophet Pearls. I will find you. No, come on. I'm going to take the hat off is what I want to know. No, I love the hat. You're making fun of my hat. (laughs) Can I tell the people? No, you can't. No, folks, we're going to get started. We're in the Ezekiel. Nehemiah, every time we're going to do Ezekiel, I I always have to be reminded of um, just the the, the opening of that phrase. Now, before we get to Ezekiel. Opening what phrase? uh, Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 1. Oh, Benadam, man. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. 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 So let me ask a question. Uh, what's, What's the connection here with? With the Torah pearls, what's the what's the what's with the, the Torah portion? Yeah, here. with the portion here. What, what, what do you got? I'm asking you the question. You're supposed, to, you know, you just go da, 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 and then you tell us. what I it have is. an hypothesis. It's, it, you know, it's interesting. The last one we did was about lepers, and the section of the Torah was about leprosy. Mm-hmm. Here, the connection isn't so obvious. Okay. So I have, yeah. So I have a theory, but it's it's not so clear. It's not. Clear. Um, and, and look, this was tradition, the connection, and sometimes it was by something having to do with association. Mm-hmm. And my feeling is the association here is um, really at the end we have this image of the crucible that God's going to purify us through fire. Mm-hmm. And it, the, this por- Torah portion opens up. It's the portion of Achrei Mot, Leviticus sixteen one through eighteen thirty, and it talks about the. Um, it says this happened after Nadav and Avihu were killed mm-hmm. by the mm-hmm. fire. Mm-hmm. So there's fire that came down from heaven when they offered a strange fire. Mm-hmm. Um, they were instead of the sacrifice being burned up, the offering being burned up, they were burned up because they were following the ritual contrary mm-hmm. to the commandment. That's one possibility of the connection. Mm-hmm. Um, so give me this. Um, I, I, one of the things that uh, just kind of hit me was I, I like. Anytime I see this phrase, it says "Vayehi devar Yehovah," and the word was it came. It came uh, the word of Yehovah, and and you know it's funny because in English, and I'm probably in Hebrew. It's also this case. You just can kind of move past that. Well, let's get to what it was. Uh-huh. But just the thought that the word came, yeah. you know, that God, you know, gave His word. He sent His word. His word came, and I want to know how you would translate. Uh, Vayahi. In other Vayahi words, Vayahi literally means "and it was." And it was. The literal translation of Ezekiel twenty-two one is, "and the word of Yehovah was to me saying." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in English, you translate it as "the word came" or "came to pass." Mm-hmm. Um, Hebrew says it as "was," and, 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 and in English and in Indo-European so language, so why do I coming. get excited about that little phrase? What's, what is it about that why? phrase? Why do you get excited about that little phrase? You do, get, do you get excited about that phrase? I do because you know he's sitting there, and the word the word is to him. Mm-hmm. And, That's and so, cool. Yeah, and it is. And the reason it gets exciting to me is because, and this is one little technical aspect. When it says "vayahi," what's the phrase itself? So it's taking the verb "I am," mm-hmm. you know, and it's saying, "Okay." It, well, the verb "to be." To be, yeah. I, right. I'm saying, but then again, that reminds me of him. You know, he right. was, he is, he shall be. So, well, what's so right? Yeah, yeah, so, so, so the verb is "haya," "hey yud hey." Mm-hmm. Can that be the word of the week? Yeah, that would be great. Do that. Hey yud hey is the word of the week, and that yes. is to be. Mm-hmm. And it, and you know it's interesting. Uh, one of the things I learned studying languages is that the word to be tends to be the most irregular word in many languages. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, think about in English. Um, I walked. I will walk. I am walking. It's always walk. It doesn't yeah. really change. Yep. Walk, you know, you add things. You, you know, whatever. The word to be is I am. He is. They are. What's going on here? <laughs> Imagine if you're not, a, you know, a native exactly. English speaker. They were. He was. 
Um, yeah. They will be. be she, she I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. that's it's, it's so many different forms in English of the word to be. So in Hebrew isn't that bad. In Hebrew, haya, heyud hey, uh, in the um, what we call the inverted future, it becomes vayahi, and mm-hmm. he was. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I'm not going to go into all the complicated tenses of Hebrew or, or modes of inverted. Can you believe not, we're having that conversation? No. We were talking about, yeah. oh, no, why isn't there a dot in the yud? And there's such a... <laughs> I remember that conversation. Yeah. We were going to the doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, hey, come here. There's a, and actually, we've had this phrase right. before. We actually had this exact phrase. Vayihi. Yeah, vayihi. Okay. Well, so, it's very common. Yeah, very in fact, common. many sections uh, begin with vayihi. And in fact, today we're recording, we're pre-recording this. We're about to come on to Purim. Mm-hmm. And, and the scroll of Esther opens up, vayihi bimei achashverosh. Yes. Vayihi. And it was in the days of achashverosh. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to, and here's where it gets complicated. When they would translate this into Greek, I talk about this in my book, uh, The Hebrew Yeshua versus the Greek Jesus. They had a problem because in Greek, if you translate literally, and it was, it makes no sense. You say, and what was? But that's actually how it's translated in the Septuagint. Mm-hmm. For example, I'm looking here, Ezekiel 22, 1 in the Septuagint. It says, Kayagenito logos kuriu pros mem legon. Kayagenitos, and it was. And, it and a was. Greek reader reading this would say, and what was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why in English you'll tend to translate it, and it came to pass. It's more of a loose translation, mm-hmm. less literal, but it makes more sense in your target language. So we have in Hebrew, and it was, vayahi, but then he was is haya, he is hove. Okay. Yehyeh, he will be. And then God says to Moses, he says, Ehyeh, I will be. Um, They translate that as I am, which isn't entirely wrong, Mm -hmm. but it more literally is I will be. And then God says, this is my name, Yehovah, which is he was, he is, he will be, he is to come. So he says of himself, I will be. And then he describes, he gives his name, his actual name, which it means he was, he is, he he is is to come, he will be. You know something? Um, I, I've been hinting around about this. I'm still not ready to f- fully talk about it, but hmm. but I just think there are ways that people need to be able to get some of these tools so they can understand it. Because when you're saying that, you know, oftentimes I'll get I'll, I'll, I'll make fun of you. You say, "Well, it's obvious." Blah 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 blah. And I'll say, "What do you mean it's obvious? It's not obvious." I learned to this people in, in second grade. <laughs> yeah, but I mean for people who don't yeah. interact with the text. But I think um, as the closer and closer, or well, I should say this, further and further we go along. I think yep. there are more and more people that are willing to go through a little bit of the process to understand some of the things. So, for example, what you mm-hmm. just mentioned with that verb, the haya um, verb. I mean, a lot of people have no clue, like even though you explained it, they don't know what it is. But I do think there are ways for people to learn that. And so we're in the process now, even as we speak, discussing how to help people understand that a little bit better, how they can understand some of those concepts a little bit better so that they can interact with the original language of, the, of Scripture. So, But when I see so this stop phrase... stop around a bush well, give us your, min- I, I, I give just, us your I ministry minute. I can't give the ministry about? minute because I'm in the process. I'm, I'm sick. I, 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 I got to tell you, I'm not, I, my back's against the wall. But soon, hopefully in the next couple of days, <laughs> I'm going to be able to talk about this. I can't even get to it. I, it's really been hard. Um, but I want to say something He's about the phrase. riddles. No, but about yeah. this phrase. Yeah, the reason it's exciting he, me about the phrase uh-huh. is that when I see the phrase now, I think about his name. Mm-hmm. So in other words, it's not, you know, in other words, and it came to pass. Okay. Well, no, I mean, it, 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 like he came. His 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 revelation is coming. The word of Yehovah coming to Ezekiel. And we find this, I don't know how many phrases, how many times, but I think in Ezekiel you Let's see it, it a out. lot. The word of Yehovah. Yeah. And, it, and the word of Yehovah came unto me and the word of Yehovah came unto mm, me. Interesting. Uh, we see yeah, it a lot. Check and, it out. Um, Actually, it's one of my one of my, my key verses is Ezekiel chapter one verse three. Got which like really, fifty key verses. I keep hearing more. Key <laughs> no, this verses. is a key verse. So two hundred and fifty one times in the Tanakh we have the phrase "Word yes. of Yehovah." Wow. Yehovah. Wow. Well, how many times in the Book of Ezekiel? Come on, you can do in it. The book of Help Ezekiel. us tell us in the time of the Word the Book of Ezekiel. Um, and while he's doing that, um, so imagine this: you're you're Ezekiel. 58 in Ezekiel, so, 58. which is 20 percent of them. That's About amazing. I thought there would Ezekiel. be a lot. Okay, so let's get into this, Nehemiah. Yeah. 
And the, the word, word of Yehovah came to, to me saying, Yes. Son of man. Now, are we going to be able to get past that? Or? I mean, we've talked about we that. We have talked about it. Son of here. man, will you judge her? Will you judge this city? Of, and you know, it's funny because it says, will you judge her? And then, will you judge this city of bloodshed? Then confront her with all of her, and it uses the word here in English, the detestable practices. Oh, it's, in Hebrew, it's abominations. It's the abominations. Same word as abominations. And I tell you what, man, that word, that word, the first time I ever looked at that word, scared the heck out of me. Yeah. No, I mean, well, actually, Why? well, because, I mean, the things that are an abomination, I guess I was a little surprised. Really? I was a little surprised. Okay. Yes, I was. I mean, do you know so that what the, are one, some of the abominations? No, no, I, I don't know can if we want to talk about it. Sure, we can. Tell me one that would surprise you. <laughs> um, so, for example, Deuteronomy 14, it's, it talks about abominations. Is yes. it Deuteronomy 14? Yeah, yeah, I believe it is. So, for example, right there at the beginning, verse 3, mm-hmm. um, it says, hold on. It says you shall not eat any abomination. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, and then then you know that's the exact same word abomination toiva. And then there's a list of the abominations. You know the pig and etc. You know whatever and the worms and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm, are holding the rat. Holding the rat. Yeah. Eating the rat. <laughs> eating the rat. Yeah. So anyway, um, th- this is what these are. These are abominations. And will you and what is an abomination? It literally means something God hates. It's literally something yeah. He hates. Yes. The taev is to hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, to despise something, and an abomination is that which is despised by Yehovah. Mm-hmm. And and what is this city of blood? Is this talking about Babylon, the whore? And that's the question. We're going to find out what the city of blood is. Cause we well, you read ahead. What is it? The city of blood. Then confront her with all her detestable practice. And it's going to tell us about the city. Hold on one second. Yeah. It says, and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. O city that brings on herself doom by shedding blood in her midst and defiles herself by making idols. And one more verse, and then I want to ask a background mm-hmm. question. You have become guilty because of the blood you have shed and have become defiled by the idols you have made. You have brought your days to a close, and the end of your years has come. Therefore, I will make you an object of scorn to the nations and a laughingstock to all the countries. One last verse. Those who are near and those who are far away will mock you, O infamous. Oh, it says here, O infamous city full of turmoil. And the reason I'm, I'm, I'm slowing down a little bit is because whenever I'm thinking of, of prophets, you think about what they call different prophets, like, you know, Jeremiah or his, you know, Isaiah, they call him the eagle eye prophet. This is the background. This Who is, calls him no, the eagle eye prophet? Back, my, my heritage, he's oh. called the eagle eye prophet. <laughs> I never heard But that. let me ask All a question. Right. When you think not, of Ezekiel, yeah. when you think of Ezekiel, mm-hmm. what do you think of? Like, at, at, when you think of him, what do you think of? I mean, like, what, what would be a description for Ezekiel? Hmm. So I think the first association for most Jews is what we call Maaseh Melkavada, and we we did that section. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the um, you know the vision of the chariot, mm-hmm. the vision of you know the divine chariot, um, you know the the the, the 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 seraphim or not the seraphim. What was that with the um, the the wheels? And yeah, the, and the wheels wheel inside a wheel and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing most people think. When I think of Ezekiel, the first thing I think of is something that was really tragic in his life, which is that his family was killed and he wasn't able to mourn until he heard the announcement that Jerusalem was destroyed. And at that point, God finally, after all that time, let him uh, mourn. And, and, the, and the mourning, the, the sadness, uh, the crying was over both Jerusalem and his family. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a way for him to say, okay, I, I, I can't fully understand what it means for Jerusalem be, to be destroyed unless I realize, wow, this is like my, my, my wife and my children dying. Mm. So that so to me he's this tragic figure. Yeah, you know it's funny when I think of when him, you know I we you know, oftentimes people talk of Ezekiel because he says okay this is going to describe the third temple and 
and oh, you know, okay. all of that. That's certainly one part of it. The mm-hmm. part of it that I think about is a little more of the the reality of life. Like he he yeah. the tragedy, and like you say, the tragic figure, the tragedy of life. Like here's this guy who's prophesying, yeah. and he has to do all these certain things, and he's got to got to you know he's got to demonstrate it this way, and you know I mean it's just man. I mean he's he's got a tough go. You know he really has a tough go. Yeah. So. Anyway. Um, so again, so who, what's the city of blood? The city of blood. What do you got, Keith? Well, I I, I guess the city of blood will have to be uh, representing um, somewhere in Israel. I mean, it's Jerusalem. It's got to be Jerusalem. It's got to be Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah. The city of blood, and, and you know, yes. we talked, and, and in my intro, I mentioned the city of the prophets, and that's true too. Yeah, but it was also the city of blood that spilled blood. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this image in Jeremiah. He talks about how how um, and in other places about how they, you know Jerusalem was filled with blood yes um, and that was really in the time of King Manasseh that that was the low point of the history of, of really the history of Israel where the city you know there's blood flowing through the streets that's mm-hmm. how many you know innocent people were murdered and here in, in Ezekiel he's you know talking about the city of blood and um, you know you're guilty because of your abominations in the city of blood so, so the abominations aren't just you know what we might call ritual abominations yes they're also their actions are abominable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, murder and spilling blood, and, and that's why when it gets to this thing, when he when he speaks of them making the idols and doing these things, he says, "Therefore, I'm going to make you an object of scorn to the nations and a laughing stock." Oh my goodness! I don't Is know that what that you means. got? Yeah, it says laughing stock to all the countries. What do you have there? Yeah. Okay. Let, let's read the next verse. Those who are near and those who are far away will mock you. Mm-hmm. Oh, infamous city, full of turmoil. Wow. So I want I want to see if there are other translations of verse 5 cuz I, I got something totally different in verse 5. Okay. So let's see what we got here. I'm going to pull up my little computer program. Ezekiel 22 verse 5. JPS has both the near and the far shall uh, scorn you, O be smirched of name, O laden with iniquity. Iniquity. Uh, King James, those that be near and those that be far from thee shall mock thee. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much the same te- same thing. What were you reading from the NASB? Yep, NASB. No, NIV. Oh, NIV. Okay, so I don't need NIV again. So NASB, which I have here on my computer, says, Those uh, who are near and those who are far from you will mock you. That's the same as the NIV there. Mm-hmm. NRSV has same thing, will mock you. Let me tell you what it says in Hebrew. And I'm really surprised uh, mm-hmm. um, that you have all these different, basically the same translation by all these different translations, when it's so clear in Hebrew what it says. It says, mm-hmm. uh, Those who are far, uh, those who are near and those who are far, from you, Yitkarasuvach will, um, let me read the little translation. Those who are near and those who are far from you, they shall insult through you. Mm-hmm. Unclean of name, she who has uh, much panic. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? They, and I understand they didn't they didn't get it, so they didn't translate it literally. They, they said, okay, it means they're going to insult you. But actually it says they're going to insult through, and actually they're going to insult each other through you, mm. is what it means. And um, it, And it's amazing how prophetic that statement is. Because in many languages and cultures, calling someone a Jew is among the worst insults imaginable. Mm. Um, for example, in Russian, where many of my people came from, Jews are, ne- are never called Yid, the Jewish, the word that, which is, you know, Yid is just Yehudi, mm-hmm. you know, from Judah, Yehuda. Mm-hmm. But they're never called Yid because Yid is a curse. They're called Ivrei, which means Hebrews. If you call someone a Yid, that's a horrible curse. In America, c- can I say this? A cheap person is often called a Jew, and their actions are referred to as Jewing. Um, in fact, I've met people who have said, you know, oh, I've gotten into the Torah and 
I'm, I'm so deep into Torah, and, and, it, and it's become so much a part of me uh, uh, that I don't say uh, to Jew someone anymore. I'm like, oh, I'm like wait, you used to say you that? Used to say that? <laughs> and, and, and you know, my friend Bruce Brill tells a story of how he, um, you know, he grew up in the on the East what Coast. What up, Bruce? Hey, Bruce. He grew up in the East Coast, and he once had this person he was, you know, uh, talking to, and she said, you know, you, you, you're such a Jew, and I don't mean it in the bad way. Um, <laughs> So, um, so literally, what Ezekiel said is too. They're going to insult through you to call someone a Jew. Is in, in many cultures and around the world, you know, they're not politically correct. It's an insult. Mm-hmm. In Arabic, you know, we're given this image that Jews in, in Christian countries suffered horribly, but we had this golden age in Arab countries and Muslim countries. Everything was hunky dory. Mm-hmm. That's a complete lie. In Arabic, the, cur- the curse Wayahud is the worst curse you can say to someone. And, it, wow. what, it, and what it means in Arabic is. I uh, I swear, may you become a Jew. Um, you're actually calling upon upon your deity, your God, in Arabic to, to you know cause someone to become a Jew. You're making an oath in the name of your God, Wayahud. Mm-hmm. May they become a Jew. And it's a very interesting little little tidbit here. Daniel three twelve. Men, the enemies of Israel, they say there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. They're speaking to the you know the king. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the medieval Jewish commentators who lived in a Muslim country. He, he makes this remark. He says, when, when the enemies of Israel refer, referred to them as Jews, in that period of history, it just meant that they were from the kingdom of Judah. And it wasn't meant as a curse. To his readers hearing, oh, the enemies mm-hmm. of Israel say, oh, there are certain Jews, to them that's a curse. Mm. Um, and so imagine that. The commentator has to explain, because in the middle, medieval Islamic world, and even today in the Islamic world, calling someone a Jew mm-hmm. is the worst curse. And, and I'm talking about you have a fight with your neighbor and you call him a Jew, mm-hmm. not that he's actually a Jew. Um, so he had to explain, no, they were called that because they were from Judah. Um, and, and it's hard to, for me to fathom because I grew up with Jew, a Jew being like something I was proud of, mm-hmm. something that, um, you know, to me, I, you know, I was proud of being a Jew. And, and my father, blessed memory, he, he, he told me something really interesting. He said that, and I didn't experience this, I don't know if this is true, but this is what he told me, and I've heard this from other people since, that before the Six-Day War, being called a Jew was, um, can I say this? Um, I'm not sure. We can always edit it out. Okay, it was like being called the N-word. Oh. And if you were Jewish and you could blend in and pass, mm-hmm. you didn't let people know you were Jewish. You kind of kept it to yourself, and you pretended that you were you know, not a Jew um, mm-hmm. when you were among non-Jews. And, and I never experienced that. For me, being a Jew was something always I was proud of, um, that, you know, there was this shift, I guess. And maybe I think for, in some cultures it's shifting back. I know in Europe right now mm. people are embarrassed and terrified, actually, of admitting that they're Jewish. Mm. Um, and I can imagine the children growing up now in Europe are, you know, will, will grow up and say, wow, I don't want anybody to know I'm a Jew. That, that's such a, a, mm. a hateful thing. And, and, and this is what I think the prophet is saying. He's saying, you know, you've done such horrible things, and this is the curse. Those who are far... And those who are near from you, they will they will curse each other through you. Mm. Um, that just and, makes such a big, such a major yeah. difference. Versus they will mock you. I mean, this right, is, you know, right. And it doesn't say mock. It says they they will they will curse through you. Mm-hmm. That's how I read it. Well, that that word is a pearl, Nehemiah. I know, yeah. I know we, it's early in the process, but I think you might need to explain that. Well, that and then word. he has this phrase, "Timeat Hashem." Yeah, she, you know, she who has an unclean name. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's an amazing thing because we've talked about it a lot about the name of Yehovah. And here, through her actions, Israel's name has become, you know, Jew has become a dirty word. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something I think we need to overcome. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's what I like about maybe maybe yeah. giving that word um, 
if 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 you if you'd be willing, you want that to be the word. Didn't we already have a word of the week? No, no, no. This is we just started. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> We've only been on the we, show for five we, minutes. So. No, we recorded. No, we, we, this is the third episode we're recording today. <laughs> what are you talking about? This, this is the third episode we're recording today. So I got confused. Okay. All right. Um, you want that to be the word? Well, of the week? I'm just saying it's such a significant. It's I don't. You know, maybe maybe what I'm trying to do is is for people to know. That word in Ezekiel sure, twenty-two okay. verse five is, to, to know that word sure. gives them an access to be able to go so, there. And so here, this is a little complicated. Which it's is a little bit. It's more than complicated. But, all right. So the every we, the word is yit kalsu, mm-hmm. and as we said in biblical Hebrew, every word has a three-letter root, except the ones that don't. Every word is a three-letter root, and the root, three-letter root here is kuf lamed samach. But boy, oh boy, there's one, two, three, four, five, six different six letters. Words. So we have three <laughs> things letters. going on here. <laughs> we've got a prefix, we've got a suffix, and we've got. Uh, and we've got uh, uh, something in the middle, in the middle, which has, which is, which is something to do. All right. So the prefix is yud, mm-hmm. and the yud here means he. Mm-hmm. But then when you add the suffix u, it's yid kalsu. The then the he turns into they. Mm-hmm. So it's a prefix and a suffix that together mean they will. Mm-hmm. And then you have the tav there. The tav stuck in there is part of the. Remember we said there are seven conjugations in mm-hmm. biblical Hebrew, mm-hmm. and the seven conjugations. Uh, the the seventh one is called hitpael, mm-hmm. and that is often a passive or a reflexive verb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this case, um, arguably, it is reflexive. That is, they will. Um, uh, or uh, and this is the key. Go ahead. Yeah, they Go will ahead. curse each other, or they will curse themselves. Now let me just stop. Let me stop for a second. I want I want people yeah. to know the significance of this. So here's here's where um, I would say I would say that um, no, knowing some of that information really gives you a, a better understanding of how it's being translated. Without knowing that information, mm-hmm. if you just had the word. But not seeing, you know, how the word is is constructed, what the grammatical structure is for the word, it would be really hard for you. If you just had the three-letter root, you know, sometimes people go to a concordance and say, oh, the word is this and this is the concordance. It's Strong's number 5021. And and here's what I want to be sensitive to to people about. If that's all you know, that's what you got to go with. But if you can understand some of these other things. Now, I got to tell you, Nehemiah, sometimes Mm -hmm. you are a difficult one. You're like, uh, they say, sometimes Paul is hard to understand. It isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes Nehemiah is hard to understand. No, it isn't because you because you try to be complicated. You know, it's that the information is that important to, mm-hmm. to know that of the seven conjugations, to know that there's the, the suffix and the prefix. But I, I will say something, and maybe I'm going to be overly optimistic about this. I do think there's a way for people to know in a little bit more a, a simplistic fashion what it is and how it applies. And that's why I'm pushing you on this verse. Mm-hmm. I think you just gave us a pearl. Yeah. Like that is a, I think that's a pearl that, you could run with, yeah. and, and but you could not get that pearl unless you were interacting with the with the, with the linguistic Hebrew. information yeah. there. And and again, I, what I want to do is try to give people a chance to have at least access to some of it. Now, you can't, you know, look. You, you how long did you go to Hebrew University? I mean, before you ever got to Hebrew University, you learned to read Hebrew as a child, right? And then you went to Hebrew school, mm-hmm. and then from there, I actually didn't go to Hebrew school. I went to Jewish day school, Jewish day school, which means okay. I was at the, the the Jewish school learning Hebrew stuff. Pretty much all day. I mean, mm-hmm. we also learned like math and you know mm-hmm. st- science. But we spent all morning. We would start at yeah. um, something like seven something in the morning and go until one o'clock learning Hebrew and Jewish subjects. And that's amazing. That's amazing. So one of the things that people tend to think is they think, well, I'll never be able to interact with the information. And one of the things I, I want to use this word carefully, but I get excited about is trying to always trying to find a way for people to get a bite size ability to interact yeah. with it. So that's what I'm working on right now. This is just an example, and I love to push you on this because yeah. you do know what the information is, and then once we find out what the application of the information is, mm-hmm. 
Like, wow. <laughs> like, if you were doing the study, you said, now I'm going to have to tell you about the seven conjugations. And people might think, oh, no, but what? Why are those seven important? conjugations and the four prefixes? And the four prefixes. And this is one of the four prefixes, yud, which means yeah. he, but then when yeah. it gets a suffix, it means that. Absolutely. So, anyway, really that's the word stuff. of the week. Yeah, <laughs> that's the word of the week. So easy. Yeah, and, and, and you know, yid basically. Yid kalsu. Say that, folks. Yid kalsu. You can say something that really is complicated, but really important. They will curse themselves or they will they will curse each other. That is, that is, that's powerful that really is powerful yeah so okay we got through five um can we can we go to uh let's do six? six let's do it okay see how each of the princes of israel who are in you uses his power to shed blood in you they have treated father and mother with contempt in you and he's speaking again about the city right he's mm. talking he's saying that in the city in you how they, do we know what's in the city so in the Hebrew, the U is feminine. Feminine, right. And, and so cities in Hebrew are always feminine. And it's so funny, but it's happened to be an irregular. So you think ear is going to be masculine because it doesn't have the feminine ending, but it's one of the irregulars that's feminine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's yeah. kind of cute. Anyway, yeah. so in... So, and for those who don't know, every yeah. every noun in Hebrew is either masculine or feminine. Yep. And you can usually tell which one it is based, based on, on the, the ending. ending. Yeah. If it has this, the ah ending, kamatz, hey, it's feminine, except words... Like cherev, sword, and ir, city, mm. which are feminine even though they don't have that ending. Yeah. And every once in a while, those are the, you say it. <laughs> how do you say it? This is what it is, except in this situation. This is the rule. Yeah. Every, always, except where it's not. <laughs> <laughs> in you, speaking about that city, in you, and it's again, mistreated fatherless and the widow, you have despised my holy things and desecrated my Sabbaths. Oh, wow. <laughs> man, oh, man. You've despised my holy things and desecrated my what, what are the holy things what are the holy things so my the, i think the you know common understanding or the the default understanding would be what it talks about i think it's leviticus 21 or 22 mm-hmm. which is the um the section where it has the, the holy things mm-hmm. um they are uh sacrifices and offerings and basically things that can only be eaten in a state of ritual purity mm-hmm. that may be what he's referring to okay but yeah. in, you are a slanderous men bent on shedding blood and you are those who mm-hmm. eat at the mountain shrines and commit lewd acts. These are things that are taking place. There are mountain shrines. There yeah. are people. We talked about that yeah. earlier. Well, I mean, when I hear about the mountain shrines, the, and what it literally says isn't mountain shrines. It says, um, literally, and to the mountains uh, they did eat in you or through you. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing that comes to mind for me is Ezekiel 18 and Ezekiel 33. There's, And we won't go through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But in, in fact, this is homework for people. Go read Ezekiel 18. It's a fascinating yes. passage. It deals with the question of, Will a person uh, be punished for their own sins or for the sins of their fathers? Mm-hmm. And the basic message there is if you continue your father's sin, you'll be punished. Mm-hmm. If you depart from your father's sin, you will not be punished. His sin won't be remembered. Mm-hmm. You're only responsible for your own actions if you repent. Um, and, and you could do evil and you turn to you know to good. You, it, your, your, sin, your own sins won't be remembered and vice mm-hmm. versa. Mm-hmm. If you live your whole life doing righteousness in terms of sin then um, your righteousness is no longer remembered to you. And the people hear this and they say, the way of, of the Lord is not fair, it's not equal, it's exactly. not measured, exactly. it's not weighed. And God says, no, my my you know my way is measured, yours isn't. Um, and, but there it mentions eating to the mountains as one of the, or mm-hmm. eating at the mountain shrines, as yours translates, as one of the issues that's mentioned there. And mm-hmm. It's a few chapters before. And I think one of the things that, that is interesting about the, the list is that it's not exhaustive. It's not everything, right? No, it's not everything. But the yeah. things that are selected, you, 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 sometimes, at least for me, anyways, I'm reading him like, okay, well, that's just like this, and yeah. it's like you know we were talking about unj- injustice, yeah. how the widow is treated, how uh, usury is, you know, I mean, that, 
it's like two different things, but they have the same. Well, but it's yeah. also this list is the big things. If we big see thing. something in this list repeatedly, then that's really important. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, and uh, one of the passages. Would you be willing to give us the list in from from rather than us saying, okay, this is what it says? Like, could you could you give us the uh, the list? It's it's in two verses here. Well, it's more than two. Verses. No, no, no. It's nine. Oh. Well, no, he started eight. It goes through verse 12. It goes through 12, yes. Right. So let's see what we got here. Let's try to make a, a list. Yep. So we've got, um, and really we could start in uh, verse 7 even, about yep. dishonoring the, mo- the the father and the mother. Miss the alien. Persecuting yep. the, 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 the stranger, the foreigner. We've got the, um, you know, deceiving or, or um, uh, you know, treating badly the widow and, and, the, and the orphan. Is that two or is that one? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, despising the holy things, desecrating, desecrating the Shabbat. Shabbat. Yes, we've got anshelachil. Uh, um, yours translates that as slander, but actually, slander. that word in Hebrew I think is better translated as um, as a gossiper. Mm-hmm. For example, in Leviticus, we have you know lotelechachil b'amecha. Don't go about as a gossiper among mm-hmm. your people. It's the same word there. Um, in order to spill blood, what does blood have to do with gossip? Well, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Mm-hmm. And if you gossip about somebody. That, that and, and shame them, you, it's as if you've killed them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got this, I guess you might call it a ritual um, commandment, not to worship uh, or eat at the mountain shrines, which is really interesting because what does that mean? When they were eating at those mountain shrines, they probably said, I'm so holy, mm-hmm. I'm bringing my offering to the Lord, mm-hmm. except it was, a, it was an illicit Do you think they illegal. thought they were bringing it to the Lord or they thought they, they knew it was a mountain shrine? They knew it was a mountain shrine, but it was Jehovah. Mm-hmm. It just was, a, it was a, you know, it was not according to what he commanded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it actually is reminiscent of the Torah portion where they brought the the, the, the strange incense. It wasn't to Baal; it was to Jehovah, but it was contrary to what he commanded. Mm-hmm. Um, verse ten, we've got um, what we might call. Um, I'm not, am I allowed to say this? Uh, it, Just say it. Oh, yeah, it's incest or sexual immorality in verse ten. Mm-hmm. Um, there is something very interesting, which is um, in the Western world they don't think of it as sexual morality. But it's having relations with the, with a menstruating woman. Mm-hmm. There's a set of commandments in Leviticus that talk about during that time you can't have relations with the woman, mm-hmm. um, and uh, actually from for seven days from when uh, her menstruation begins. Mm-hmm. That's called a nida. And here, this is one of the biggies. It's up there with you know having sex with your father's wife. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine that with mm-hmm. your stepmom. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's a that's how big a deal it is. And we're talking about your own wife. Mm-hmm. So verse eleven um, is uh, adultery. Um, let's see. Uh, and then more incest, mm-hmm. uh, some more incest, um, taking bribes in verse 12. Imagine that taking a bribe is up there with incest to and, shed and blood, I mean, yes. you know, um, and again to shed blood. Right. Um, and then here in verse 12, we've got taking money on interest or, or you could call it usury, usury. And that's probably a whole discussion. Mm-hmm. Where does it interest end and usury begin? It's not clear that the Torah mm-hmm. has that distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically somebody comes to you, they're in need. And instead of just giving them the money as a loan, which they'll probably never pay back, that's the thought in scripture, mm-hmm. then you're saying, no, you got to pay it back and you got to pay it back with interest. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So it's uh, unjust gain it talks about here. Um, and it says, and me you forgot, says Lord Jehovah. And that is at the end of the list in verse 12. And you have forgotten me. Wow. Or you have forgotten me. And I want to look at Psalm 15. Mm-hmm. I, I always think of Psalm 15 when I see this list. Mm-hmm. Um and the reason I think of Psalm 15 is we've got another list there. And, and this would be the homework for people. Go tell, go look for yourselves. What are the things that appear? Are you going to be real homework lists? or are you going to do it for them? Are you no, gonna really? I'm going to read Psalm 15. Okay. 
A Psalm of David, Yehovah, who may sojourn in your tent, who may dwell in your holy mountain? And the image here is there's Levites standing mm-hmm. at the entrance to the temple, and they're saying, who's really allowed to come into this temple? And then there's a list of things that they have to do. He who lives without blame, yes. who does what is right, and in his heart acknowledges the truth, whose tongue is not given to evil, meaning he's not slandering, not mm-hmm. gossiping, who has never done harm to his fellow or borne reproach for his act, uh, for his acts towards his neighbor, um, for who uh, for whom a contemptible man is abhorrent, but who honors those who fear Jehovah, who stands by his oath even to his hurt. Um, keep your word even if it's not good for you. Who has never lent money at interest. Isn't that amazing? That mm-hmm. appears in both lists. Mm-hmm. Or accepted a bribe against the innocent. The man who acts thus shall never be shaken. And it's saying, basically, these are the person people who can come in. If, if this isn't you, think about whether you should even be coming here. Mm. Maybe you need to repent before you come to the temple and, and perform mm-hmm. the ritual. The ritual mm-hmm. is not going to help you right. if you're a sinner. Um, so, yeah, I love that, Psalm 15. And, and, what, and the homework will be to go look in two or three different translations and compare this yes. and compare the other passage, compare it with the Ezekiel 18. We are truly progressing by giving people homework. And we're going to yeah. continue to do this between Amen. now and the end of uh, uh, Prophet Pearls because we do want people to interact with this information and Amen. to be able to figure out what it says. Yeah. So now I do think, uh, I, and I don't know what the image gets, what, what image you get when, when I read this, but I actually, and maybe you can tell me where else this shows up. He says, I will, surely, I will surely strike my hands together. Do we have another example where we see that? And I, I'm pretty sure we do. I don't know if it's in that exact, in that exact phrase. But, but, but what is that? What is that? Okay, so that's what it says. Um, you know, I mean, to be able to smite my palms or my hands. I mean, what did that, what did, what did that, what message did that send? You know, like, hmm. What do, you, what do you got? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I will surely strike my hands together at the end. Just in other words, it's like it's like a physical manifestation of how frustrated or. Um, well, so what's yeah. the actual image here? Is he clapping his hands, S- striking his hands together, making a sound, ma- you know, making an act, a, a, a physical action? You know, it's like um, you know, doing something and, and the demonstration of the frustration. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's not so clear to me. Mm. Um, I will strike my hands over ill-gotten gain. Yeah, I don't know. Um, okay. Nowhere else? Know, uh, oh, I see. Uh, hold on a second. Let me see what we got here. Okay. I can do my little search here. Okay. If you want to move I, I, We've got it. We, we, we've got I've got to get this. Yeah. <laughs> get this search. Yeah. <laughs> I'll strike my hands together as you're looking. At what? At the unjust gain you have made and at the blood you have shed in your midst. So... Whatever this this physical. So, for example, in Ezekiel six eleven, um, mm-hmm. uh, thus says Lord Jehovah, strike your hands together. Same phrase in Hebrew, and stamp your feet and cry, Aha! Over all the vile abominations of the house of Israel. Yes. So it's like stamping your foot and clapping your, your hands. hands. Oh, yes. You know, in the rest. Yeah, but but I think in the context. Oh, and then Ezekiel twenty one nineteen says. Further, son of man, uh, prophesy, striking hand against hand. So that's you know clapping. Yep. yep. Um, so Ezekiel twenty one twenty two, I too will strike hand against hand and will satisfy my fury upon you. Yep. Yeah. Um, it still is kind of an unusual phrase. I'll, I'll grant you that. And, mm-hmm. and Ezekiel seems to really like that phrase. He, you know, he's got it a bunch of times. It's like there's a demonstration, a demonstration, yeah. a, a physical. You know, well, really now, really is a physical demonstration. But I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's like the clapping of thunder. <laughs> well, here two Kings eleven twelve, Yehoiada then brought out the king's son and placed upon him crown and the insignia. They anointed him and proclaimed him king. They clapped their hands and shouted, long live the king. And here it's the same phrase in Hebrew. And here it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Meaning so it can be done in frustration, but can also be done in, 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 um, in joy. In joy. Um, 
And it's interesting that most of the times this phrase appears in the Tanakh, it's in Ezekiel. Yeah. He really likes this phrase. He likes the phrase. Um, in fact, as far as I can find, the only time it appears out of Ezekiel is that passage I just read Kings. In, in, in Kings. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, yeah. And in Ezekiel, it seems to be a negative thing, whereas in Kings, it's a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, he says, I'll strike his hands together. We read that. Then here comes a little bit of the shift. Will your courage endure or your hands be strong in the day I deal with you? I, Yehovah, have spoken and I, in fact, will do it. Mm-hmm. I will disperse you among the nations and scatter you through the countries and I will put an end to your uncleanness. One more verse. When you have been defiled in the eyes of the nations, you will then know that I am Yehovah. Mm-hmm. Man, oh man, we've seen that. Have we not seen that where he's dispersed them? I mean, we have the physical examples, or, you know, historical examples of that. You know, And I got to say something about Ezekiel when I'm reading it. Sometimes I have to tell you that this is these are probably the passages where I mostly want to find what you talk about saying <laughs> the good news at the end ending <laughs> on, a, on a high note. Tell me, tell me, please, Nehemiah, we're going to end on a high note. Yeah. <laughs> now, now read me verse sixteen again. I'll read sixteen. It says, um, "It says when you have been defiled." What? Uh, here's what it says. Twenty-two, in the note. sixteen. Yeah. Here's what it says in the note. Or when I have allotted you your inheritance. Wow. Wow. That, that's the opposite meaning. Mm-hmm. Meaning, <laughs> is this a bad thing that's going to happen to them in verse 16 or a good thing? And let's mm-hmm. just read some translations. Uh, NRSV says, and I shall be profaned through you in the sight of the nations. Yes. Uh, JPS says, you shall be dishonored in the sight of the nations. Mm-hmm. But then we have, um, for example, let's see the NIV. Well, you just read the NIV. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have been defiled in the eyes of the nations, that's a bad thing. King James has, and you shall take your inheritance in yourself in the sight of the, of the heathen. Uh-huh. That's the opposite. Yeah. And what's going on here? Um, yeah. So the Hebrew here is is um, a verb that means to inherit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it very well could be to take inheritance. Um, and that would have been my default translation. And here's mm-hmm. how I read the passage. Um, and I'm just doing something here real quick on the computer um, here. So, for example, the same word appears in Numbers 34:29. These are they whom Jehovah commanded to divide the inheritance unto the children of Israel in the land of Canaan. And the word is linachel. Mm-hmm. And, and I got to tell you, this is really, really controversial because in modern Hebrew, there's this concept of the settlers. Mm-hmm. And, and when the news around the world speaks about settlers, it's almost like they say the word evil settlers. Mm-hmm. Settlers are Jews who, who steal Palestinian land right. and live on the West Bank, right. uh, stolen land. And the way Jews see it is actually we're fulfilling this, this verse, Numbers 34, 29. We're dividing up the land that was given to us by God and we're going back and, and retaking what mm-hmm. was ours without, you know, from, from God the going back 3,500 years. Yeah. And, um, and it's, and this is the word, uh, Nahal. it's to, um, it's to divide up the inherited portion. And I, and I, when I read it, it's clear to me in verse 16 of Ezekiel 22, and I could be wrong. Uh, these other, many translations disagree with me, but it's the word Venichalt and you will, uh, divide up the inheritance through you or in you in the eyes of the nations and you will know that I am Yehovah. And what's happening here? In verse 15, he's scattering them among the nations. Mm-hmm. That's the exile, the diaspora. And then, then he and it says literally here, and I will cause your uncleanness to end from you. Mm-hmm. That's at the end of verse 15. And now that the uncleanness is end, you're going to come back and divide up the land that you were that was taken away from you. So, mm-hmm. so literally these people who are called evil settlers are literally a fulfillment of this verse here in Ezekiel 22:16. Mm-hmm. And I can understand why that why your your translations didn't want that. 
And you might say, well, wait a minute, the JPS also has it as a negative thing. That's because there's a lot of liberal Jews who also refer to settlers as evil settlers. Oh, my goodness. You're kidding me. Did no, you just say that? That's right. You think that's... That, there's many Jews in Israel who believe the reason we don't have peace with the Palestinians is because... Uh, my sister has a, a, a place to live. Literally, my sister, Ariella, lives out in the so-called West Bank, which I can tell you is a 10-minute, 15-minute drive from here. And this is Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. Place. It's a beautiful place. And it's amazing. You stand her, her her so-called West Bank settlement. You stand on the hill, and you look as far as the eye can see, 360 degrees. You won't see an Arab anywhere. Not a single Arab town, not a single Arab anything. And that's land they stole from the Palestinians. There was no one living there before then. Um, and, the, you know, so, so it's, it, whatever. These people live in a fantasy world. And these are the same sorts of people who say that, you know, wait, ISIS is cutting off the heads of Americans because we, we're, we're, we're not giving them jobs. It's the same kind of mentality. And, and both of those are fulfillment. I think of the previous verse about the world cursing themselves through the Jews. This is a pearl. And, and now we've got, we've got the, the exile. The, re, the the redemption, and we finally have in verse sixteen, you know, the end of, of so, so basically we have what you're saying here the redistribution is, is of the that land. sixteen ends up being the good note. In other words, when I'm reading, oh, it, yeah, it's not a good note. Uh, but again, to, to to say that you said that in the JPS, it's possible that there be uh, liberal Jews. Are you saying that in the translation process, there's even an agenda sometimes in the JPS? Absolutely, no question about it. Every translation is someone's interpretation, and you know this is clearly the place, the the case there. You know, um, yeah, okay. No question about well, it. Well, twenty two sixteen is one people need to look at. That's a, that's a, that's a game changer. That 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 verse. It really is. It really is. Yeah. It's a game changer. It's a, it's it's giving it's giving a completely different um, uh, perspective perspective to what's happening. Like he literally yeah. brings the good news at the well, end. Well, and of the that's prophecy. the end of the prophecy. Meaning, yeah, yeah, verse seventeen is a new prophecy. It Absolutely. starts out, and the word of Jehovah came to me saying. Yeah. But no question. I mean, and, and let's think about this for a minute. If this is this 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 punishment. He ends, and you and you will know that I am Yehovah. So how is it that they know that he's Yehovah? Because they were cast out into the exile, I guess. But here's how I'm reading this prophecy. Just as you will be known as a curse among the nations, and you will become known as blessed among the nations. That's what verse 16 is. It's an undoing. We've got the curse, and now we've got this blessing. Uh, and this is so that you and the nations will know that Yehovah is real. And that's what and it's again, about. So when I see my sister's house in the West Bank, and it's surrounded by desert for miles around, no air. It's it's such a desert that no Arab ever wanted to even live there, and and I see this thriving, beautiful community, and I look at that. I don't see evil settlers. I see a fulfillment of prophecy, and I know that Jehovah is the creator. You know, of the it's universe. interesting when you say when you hear when I hear the sound Benachalt, uh, I think of the Nachal. Mm. You know what I'm thinking, and I, I, yeah. I think I think of the I think of what's what's actually like there, like the mm-hmm. water and the streams yeah. and the division. Of, you know, and, and it's it's like wow. I mean, this this verse, honestly, Nehemiah. Like if I were if I were taking a, we did a pro, we did something called Scripture Bites at BFA International, where I took the Ten Commandments, went through the Ten Commandments, the Ten Matters, and each verse gave people an ability to interact with the information. But this is the kind of verse that would be mm-hmm. so awesome to do in that sort of program because it's something that you just wouldn't see yeah. in. Reading an average and, English, and, and just so you understand, and maybe this should have been the word of the week. I think because the, root, the way I'm reading two, it, we is, need two. We need okay. two words of the week. So the word, I, the way I'm reading it, and the way the King James read it, is that the root is nun chet lamed, mm-hmm. um, and it's a pl form, and it means 
you will divide up the land, mm-hmm. um, just like I read the verse in, in Numbers. But mm-hmm. the way that the other translations who are saying it as a negative thing is they're reading it as halal, mm-hmm. and it's a nephal verb then from to desecrate. And, and you know what's so funny about that is that not funny about that is that again here's where you have to go further because I could go and look here at my my program and it would mm-hmm. come up and it'd say yeah, exactly that's what it is, chet uh, lamed lamed. Yeah, to you desecrate. Know, it's a it's a nifal perfect. And and to and to have this other, uh, I mean, it really is. This is a pearl. Yeah, I, I, I know you probably think I'm beating this no. thing. This is a pearl. This is uh, a game changing pearl because because what you're saying is okay. So then in this in in today, those people that are quote unquote settling are seeing this as a negative. This is a negative. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely negative. You know, you guys are the you guys are the reason that we're the having evil settlers. The evil settlers. It's wow. The, it's the reason that there's no peace. Yeah. Wow. Right? And this is why they're blowing up, uh, you know, buildings because they don't have jobs and they're poor. Wait a minute. You know, recently we're, we're pre-recording this. We found out about this guy named Jihadi John. And it turns out he, he comes from a really, you know, um, good family in, in England. And, you know, you mean the guy, he, the ISIS guy, the ISIS guy. He had, you know, opportunity. He, he wasn't poor and jobless. He, he's just an evil human being who, who ascribes to an evil theology and an evil doctrine. Mm hmm. So, yeah. Well, that is the end, that's the end of that prophecy, and then right. it moves on. We've got three more verses. Um, mm-hmm. Shall we continue or no? Let's do it. Okay. So here we go. Verse uh, 17. I'm sorry. This is, this is a little bit of a problem because verses 17 through 22 is the next prophecy, but our section ends after verse 19. 19. <laughs> so in the middle of the prophecy. <laughs> I'm going to say it real quick. Then the word of Jehovah came unto me. Again, here's this example. Son of man, the house of Israel has become dross to me. And this is this is really... Wow. All of them are the copper, tin, iron. Did they combine all those words? Copper, tin, iron, and lead left inside a furnace. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> is that what dross is? What's left behind? We talked so, about this before. Yeah. So so, so we've got to talk a little bit about um, about how they would refine in ancient times. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's probably pretty much the same today. Yep. They um, are but the, the dross of silver. Yeah. So what they would do is they would take this, iron, this ore, not iron ore, they would take ore, and they would they would heat it up, and the impurities that came out that was called dross, mm-hmm. and what was left behind would be silver, um, and it's and actually in those impurities you can extract so called impurities if you're get, trying to get silver you can extract other metals, mm-hmm. um, and and particularly lead but also some of the other mm-hmm. metals will be found in that uh, in that dross in that impurity and then there'll be just stuff that's just garbage that you throw away mm-hmm. it's called slag. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and what's interesting to me about this is, you know, it mentions five metals. Yep. In ancient times, they knew about seven metals. Hmm. Um, one of them is never mentioned in the Tanakh, at least as far as we can tell. Six are mentioned. Silver, copper, tin, iron, and lead. And um, the other one that's not mentioned in this passage is, or in this verse at least, is gold. And then the seventh one, which isn't mentioned in the Tanakh, is mercury. It's possible mercury was mentioned, but in ancient times it was known as quicksilver. So maybe sometimes when it mentions silver... It means mercury. Mm. Um, today we have many metals. We have uranium. Mm-hmm. We've got you know polonium, and I don't know a bunch of other metals, um, tungsten, and you know and whatever. Um, uh, you know we've got what is it ninety two elements in the periodic table, mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of those are metals. And uh, but back, back in ancient times they identified seven metals, six or seven metals, um, and here it mentions five of them. And and the image here is of God again. I think I mentioned this at the beginning of of the crucible. The crucible is this this vessel that you heat something up really really hot, or mm-hmm. it's a furnace. You heat it up really really hot, and that causes a separation of the metal, so you so you can get out the silver, and what's left behind is the dross mm-hmm. or the the slag. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what happens. But look at what the look at what the last verse is, Nehemiah. Yeah. And I think this is the part that kind of makes me. I don't say good news, bad news, what everybody says, but but therefore, um, this is what the sovereign Lord says: because you have all become dross. <clears throat> then I'm thinking, because you become dross, I'm going to throw you away. And it says, because you've become dross, I will gather you into Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So, so when you read, when you hear that phrase, what is it? What is it? I'll, I'll gather you into Jerusalem. I mean, doesn't that, doesn't that, isn't that what we want? Well, I'm going to pick up that dross. I'm going to extract the remaining silver from it. That's wow. the image here. That's the image of this crucible of, of, <laughs> exactly. of, of the of the refiner's fire. Mm. Um, and you know, it's an image we have in other places, Malachi, mm. for example. But it's very clear here. It's a beautiful image. I was in I was in Cambodia um, last year, mm-hmm. and, um, and 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 I actually went through the marketplace, and you could see them refining metals mm-hmm. with a blowtorch, just like the, you know, just like in the old days, they were mm-hmm. refining metal. A lot of it was gold and silver mm-hmm. um, in a crucible, you know, mm-hmm. like except for the fact that they were using you know propane. Other than that, nothing's really changed between you know back in the old days. It was fire, and you take a bellows and make it really hot. Um, that, you know, um, other than that, it's this kind of processing still goes on today. It's mm. pretty cool. Well, uh, I didn't. I didn't give you. I don't know if you have something that you'd like to say about uh, what's going on right now. I know like last time we talked about you know the ministry that we're mm. that, uh, that we're doing. I, I have to tell you, um, I get really excited when when we trip over or when we come across something that really just cannot you just can't get it unless you're willing to do a little digging mm-hmm. you know the jumping diving into the water and, and, and going through it and finding it mm-hmm. and again 2216 for me is a, is really is a is a game changer and I really really appreciate mm-hmm. that because because again from a casual looking even if you even if you've got uh, some of the tools um, there's a there's the translation they're saying these are, this is the three letter root all of a sudden there's another possibility that that's not the three-letter root. I mean, oh my goodness! I think it's interesting that the King James got it right. <laughs> the King James, which got is considered it right. to be a bad translation, but in this case, they actually got it right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you know, we tend to think, oh, they're—I I don't know—I I tend to think the King James are a bunch of you know bumbling idiots, but sometimes they get it right. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I can't believe you said what you said about the JPS translators. I mean, I'm, but that one's we're gonna have to really maybe edit well, that out. An agenda sometimes, you know, it's what it is. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's uh, my turn uh, to to say a prayer. Do you have anything you want to say? Anything else you want to bring up before we move on? Nope. Okay, awesome. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for uh, the ability to interact with your word in its language, history, and context, and to have the availability of tools to to get behind uh, what the translators, and sometimes in some cases, do have an agenda for. Thank you that uh, when you chose the language of Hebrew, it's the perfect language for you to communicate the, the purpose and uh, of your will and your word. Help us to have a desire and a focus and a, and a, and a willingness to interact with this, uh, this holy tongue so that we can understand just exactly what you were saying, what you are saying now, what you are going to be saying, and what it means for us in our lives. In your holy name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For more information, please visit nehemiaswall.com and bfainternational.com.